Ira, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Goal Press. This is Ira Jersey. We're not on our usual night tonight because of the U.S. Open Cup. We're going to do try two different podcasts this week. But with me is one of our normal cast of characters, Jason. What's going on? And you know who's not here is uh, Chris, which is hmm, very interesting since, you know, this is just another week that Greenville couldn't score a goal. But I guess <laughs> I bet you that has no correlation. I'm sure it has some kind of, something to do with work or having a kid or something. But Yeah, no you know, life, life always gets in the way, but I can understand hiding under a rock again uh, if, if, you're, if you're Chris. But, you know, we have a lot to talk about today. You know, we had a full slate of games. Uh, eight of the ten teams were in action over the weekend. First, let's get to some news. So uh, the first bit of news we have is that the USL is starting the USL Academy Cup, also known as USLA in the future, just to go along with USL2 and USLC, I guess. Uh, so some fans apparently are uh, just finding out that their teams have a, an academy. That's uh, a note that you put in there, Jason. You want yeah. to talk a little bit about that? No, so yeah, the uh, the list came out of the teams. I believe it's 33 teams, um, I want to say. And uh, you have everything ranging from USL Championship to USL League One to USL League Two. And uh, it was funny when the announcement came out because you've seen a lot of fans uh, see that their participation was in it. And they were like, wait, we have an academy? So uh, this is the first time. And it was cool to see, you know, this was the day that the teams got to announce that they are actually planning on having an academy if they don't have it set up yet or they do have one. Uh, So it's 22 teams from USL Championship three teams from League One and eight teams from League Two. It will be broken down in the two conferences, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Um, And then it'll be broken out in the two age groups. You have your U-17s who will be broken into the two conferences. And the U-13s don't do a uh, regional playoff. They just do straight national tournament, which will be in Tampa, May 22nd through 25th of 2020. So it's exciting, right? You hear about these players, you know, for instance, San Antonio with Leo being a 15 year old already, you know, dominating and getting called up for us national team looks and um, you know, having a buzz around him at 15 years old, this is the chance for, you know, these Academy kids to really get playing time experience and kind of see how they match up. Right. It's fun to see what a league two uh, brand new Academy looks like against a championship Academy that's been around for a couple of years. I think there's a couple of interesting things about this as well, because, you know, one of the league one teams that we, um, that, that is going to have an Academy in this group is Chattanooga and they don't officially have their Academy set up yet. They're only building it now. So they really only will have, you know, the summer basically to put these teams together. So it'll be interesting to see how they can be the first year of this. By the look of their senior team, they definitely need an Academy because I don't know uh, what's going on with them in, in league play and U.S. Open Cup play. Well, we'll we're pretending that, we're, we're going to have to pretend that we don't know the Open uh, Open Cup scores. <laughs> the matches are going on as we record this. Um, but also, you know, one of the omissions that I think is interesting is Richmond because Richmond has a very deep academy um, uh, relationship with with their their local uh, um, Richmond uh, academy there, and uh, you know the the 
total soccer show guys have done interviews with some of the coach director of coaching there. So have, have some others. And so it's a little bit interesting that they're, they've been omitted. I'm not sure why uh, I have reached out to, to the team to ask, you know, if there was any particular reason, maybe it's just that they didn't want to quite yet. Maybe it was a money thing, or maybe it's just that the relationship is not direct, but the Richmond kickers are partially owned by the youth club. So it, you know, they do have a very yeah. formal relationship as formal as you and, can and get. I think that's what co that's uh, coach Bulow was there for a little bit wasn't he yeah he was he was so he was one of the, the senior coaches and in fact that's one of the ways that he wound up getting the position at uh um at the uh, richmond kickers so with that, we're also talking about the very first player of the month, um, even though it's kind of a month and a half or a month and a week, I guess, because yeah. we're looking at March and April. Uh, so basically the first uh, first five weeks of, of the uh, of the season, uh, the nominees for player of the month right now are Pepe, Antley, Beattie, Coulter, and Gallardo. Um, you know, Jason, do you have a favorite here? Do you, do you like one of these five over any of the others? Yeah, so these this is coming from USL's uh, you know headquarters. This is the official League One Player of the Month and their nominees. Um, I think without a doubt, it's it's got to be Antley. It's just what he's done consistently, game after game. Um, still, I think has the league leading in assist, uh, two goals, just incredible stats, incredible off the ball movement. And as you see, as the the weeks progress. He's getting more and more responsibilities in the game last, you know, not last week, but the week before. I mean, he was pretty much on the final third right side for the whole game. Um, you know, they they trust him with the ball. He shows great skills. He shows great leadership. Um, it's just without a doubt for him to be putting up stats that you would see midfielders putting up, um, you know, in great midfielders, right? We're talking league best midfielders. I, I've got to give it to him. I've been looking at him. There was someone, I had a Twitter conversation with someone who said, oh, look, our defender scored. And I said, Antley's not a defender. The dude's, the dude's a winger. Like, he just <laughs> looks at his positioning on the field all the time. He does get back and defend, but he's more like your classic kind of wide uh, wide midfielder who just goes up and back the whole way. I mean, he, the, you know, guys got a motor. I think there is a, a case to be made for either Coulter or Gallardo as well. Um, you know, I, I am very happy to see both of them on the list. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine how their team would be doing if those two weren't on the on the field at absolutely. all they absolutely they would be way further down the table if, and, I, and I, I think the difference is right now this is player of the month so when i hear player of the month i think of okay when you look at the past month who is the player that has stood out the most right as opposed to where like when i look at joe for richmond he's more of an mvp count a caliber player right like he's the most valuable player for that team right now his creativity is what gives richmond any kind of offense but when you look at who was the most impressive player of the month when you've got someone who ranks in top 10 in passes chances created interceptions passing accuracy and assists you got to go with him right and so and that's connor antley well, I don't disagree with you, I, uh, but I do agree that probably all five of these deserve to be there with maybe the exception, I think, of Pepe. Uh, I, you know, Pepe did some great things early. In Ooh, the no, no, no Pepe love. I, I, I love the guy, and, you know, I watched him play in the, the, the U-17 uh, World Cup qualifying in the CONCACAF championship. He played two full 90-minute matches, so he hasn't been with the team for, uh, for, for a week and a half or so. 
but at the same time, like, yes, he had two very good games, but I, I can't say that he could, he should really be player of the month. I, I think there's a couple of other people like, you know, um, Eric Leonard, for example, I think might, might deserve a shout who's not on this list. And there's probably okay. a couple of others if I really thought about it as well. I was going to say, if you had to replace him, who would you replace him with? That's yeah, I think my, my first pick would be Eric Leonard because I, I think he's that anchor in the midfield. And if he wasn't there again, you know, <laughs> he, he's so important to that team too. And he had a couple of really stellar games during the month we won fun only podcast given central defensive midfielders a love they deserve (laughs) you haven't grown up as one i guess i appreciate that more than many other (laughs) uh so let's go on to the results then jason so this is the only game that i watched live but it was oh, Orlando City. That's a horrible, horrible choice. <laughs> well, I watched all the matches, but most of them on Sunday. Um, but OCB against Chattanooga, and the score was nil-nil. Um, it wasn't quite as boring as that sounds, but it also was not a stellar game, in, in my opinion. There was some pretty sloppy play overall. Frustrating um, would be the word. Yeah, case. very frustrating. So OCB kept on taking shot after shot after shot from about 20, 25 yards out. They were weak chances. Like if you had a score expected goals, and there's probably somewhere where you can find that, but I haven't been able to find it. If you didn't expected goals in this match, it'd probably be Chattanooga 1.1 and OCB like 0.7 or 0.8. So maybe it should have been a 1-1 game, but it definitely did not deserve – um, you know, a whole lot of attention. And, and if, you know, if you haven't watched any of these games yet and you want to pick one to watch, don't pick this one. It's OCB did everything right. Like they, they met the girl, got her number, waited, you know, until the next day, 24 hours. We don't do three days anymore because of text messaging, asked her out, took her to a place where, you know, did some research on her Instagram that he knew that she would enjoy, had a great conversation. And then at the end of the night, just just threw their tongue in her mouth and it's like no you have to be patient you have to feel it out and orlando city b could be one of the most fun teams to watch in this league they've had their moments like when you look in the when i think it was in the 45th minute right before halftime they had this brilliant build up to where they had four passes down the field in literally 11 seconds and then in the final third you know they just didn't they ruined their chance and orlando's a fun team to watch they had 84 percent passing accuracy they have great build up they just don't know how to finish and that's why you saw a lot of those 25 30 yard attempts that were nowhere close to the goal and so i think it's just that that's that impatience and especially with young kids you know they they don't really want to keep passing the ball around. They get frustrated that nothing is opening up, so they take the they take the shot. But this is another game where I think Orlando had chances to win, and they just blew it because they couldn't figure out the final third. But I will say, if anything, I don't. I think Orlando should be more happy with the point than Chattanooga. Oh yeah, I know people are going to say Zayed. Amon Zayed had two great looks on goal. Yeah, yeah, three probably, and just couldn't put it away. Two in particular that were right in front of the net, basically open shots. One right at the keeper, um, you know, and and the other one, you know, it was a decent save, but not not a great save. But but he definitely should have put those away. And the the other thing is on Chattanooga's side. the, The one thing I did note is that. 
yes, Orlando City B's back line was much more organized than it had been in some of the previous matches. But also, Beattie and Zaya did not link up like they have in other games. And because they haven't linked up, they, they their chances, except for those two or three Zaya, Zaya chances, were pretty weak. So you didn't have Beattie really have any good looks on goal either. But he was more central this game, something that he wasn't in prior in, in the, the prior match where he wound up on both both wings. And he's much more dangerous in the center. And they had 17 crosses against Orlando, which is what you want because Orlando has shown that they are very iffy in set pieces. They're iffy in the air. That's where they're getting beat. And so they they executed what they needed to do. But I think also, too, a big thing, and it's been the theme with Chattanooga all year, there's two things when I look at Chattanooga and their flaws, and the two biggest ones are, one, I don't know their identity. I don't know what kind of offensive scheme they're doing. I like At first, it looked like they were bunkering and then countering, and now it's just one of those things to where when they do get possession, it doesn't look like they have a specific tactic of, okay, we got the ball, we want it. Now we need to do two quick passes. It's it just they look like they don't know what they're doing. And then also they only had one interception out of the 13 interceptions they had in the midfield. So they're not winning the ball in the midfield. They're letting people have possession and they're going down. And Orlando, like I said, couldn't finish their final third ones. And then they're just getting the ball back. And that's not going to win you game. That's you're, They're not a playoff team to me right now. They're not playing like a playoff team. They don't look like they have any kind of identity. I don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to tell. I mean, they you know, I, I think that they almost are over game planning for some of these, some, some of their opponents. And because of that, it's hard for them to get into a rhythm as, as to, you know, what it is. Well, you know, when I talked to, you know, coach, coach Hankinson, one of the things that, that he mentioned was, you know, look, we're building a team. We want to make sure that our transition from offense to defense is pretty seamless and it doesn't quite seem that way. And I think that's because of what you mentioned that they're not winning some of those midfield battles that they need to win in order to kind of beat the other team in transition. And they're so slow. They're pat. It's just, they, they're easily the slowest passing team in the league. And I don't get it because they have these veteran and these skilled players. And so they're making these three touch passes. And it's like, why you get the ball one touch it and keep moving. You have BD going down the side. He's one of the most productive and creative players in the league, right? Even in a, a Chattanooga team that hasn't been really offensively impressive, BD's top three, top five in all categories when it comes to chances created and, and uh, crosses successful dribbles like he is a offensive just he's a he's he's a beast feed him the ball and feed him the ball in a time to where defense isn't already sitting back there waiting for it so i i don't know all right well why don't we move on to a game that actually had a goal um <laughs> yeah uh greenville triumph against uh north texas sc this one ended 1-0 to North Texas. Uh, it was a game without their star striker, Ricardo Pepe, who was, as I mentioned... Ira doesn't think is great. I'm I overrated. I have some respect for the kid. Um, I even I even offered to, uh, to scout him for the Total Soccer Show Scouting Network. So nice. um, sent in a report today on him. Uh, but he his team did win 1-0. Uh, they only had a 50... It was 50-50 possession. Um this was not a game that uh, that lacked chances. Really, it, it, there were a number of chances both ways. Um, you know, th- there were some some good shots, and uh, you know, if Chris was here, I was going to ask him a question. I was going to say, you know, tell me what your team needs again, because it became very clear once again they had you know Greenville had good build up. They had the ball around the eighteen, 
and they just didn't have that guy who could just put it in the back of the net. You know, Keegan is good, but he's just not the, the you know, I guess the target striker and that that you know kind of clinical finisher that this team needs in order to get get a couple more goals in some Nin- games. 19 crosses this time, but they succeeded in two of them. So it's baby steps, Ira. You know, you you got to you got to slowly work your way up there. And one of them was even in the box. So who knows what could have happened in that one? <laughs> Well, that, and this is the problem, right? If you if you're only creating a couple of chances from all those crosses, I mean, it means that that uh, you know, in my in my opinion, it means that you either need to switch your tactics because that's not working. You just don't have that, you know, you don't have that guy with a you know a six footer with a one foot vertical or something like that who's going to be able to get his head on the ball or knock it down for someone else to run onto. And that's just what this team doesn't quite have yet. And you know, it might come, but I do think that they need to think about maybe looking for someone on loan or someone um you know or, or just find someone else from from somewhere maybe somewhere in the league two that they can they can pick up a senior from college who hasn't been picked up by an MLS team or something like that that you know really they they can find to uh to kind of just be that guy that is in the box and is the poacher that they need. And I think they've got the most roster space available out of all the teams in the league. So they had 21 uh, people on the roster that I saw. And so they have plenty of space for sure. Um, One thing I do want to say though, is uh, we're talking about Greenville, North Texas pretty much matched up well with them, right? Uh, Both teams had five chances created. So it wasn't like one team was creating more chances than other. Like I said, Greenville only had one successful cross in the box. North Texas had three. Uh, North Texas looked good with their passing too. And that's something that this is not the first time I'm saying this. They really impressed me with the confidence on the ball. And you know, one thing that I think Greenville kind of does struggle with is that press because they were having a lot of sloppy passes and giveaway. And that's what actually led to North Texas goal and shout out to Robert, who I think was on the team of the week this week for USL league one from their headquarters. And that he deserved it. He created chances, was winning a lot of duels in the midfield and then had that 30 yard rocket, which, you know, Dallas J might've been able to save that, but regardless, just to have the confidence to take that attempt and to put it where he did, you know, you got to respect that. And so I, I really like what North Texas is doing. And there was a part of me wondering like, oh, well, they haven't really played anybody that great defensively and blah, 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 blah. And they kind of showed, you know, against Greenville, who's still probably the most organized defense in the league. Like, hey, just because you know, were kids and we played the least amount of games, we're not afraid to go on the road and, and play with confidence. You know, there's something I, I want to note right now because, you know, we're as we're recording this, the USL show guys are recording their show. And I'd like to note that, you know, for all the angst that we give a lot of the two teams right now at the top of the table in both the, uh, the USL Championship Eastern Conference and in USL League One, the two best academy teams, USL teams, are at the top of the table. So yeah. you have Dallas's, uh, you know, two team is at the top of the table. They're perfect right now. Four for four. I'll get my full prediction point if they <laughs> win or draw their next match um, for for having a team that has f- goes undefeated in the first five. Uh, and the other is Red Bulls too. Red Bulls too is at the top of the USL. So you know these teams have very good players. They have very good coaching. And I think part of that is what you're talking about. How organized 
organized they are, how their press really worked well in order to disrupt a lot of the triumphs um, possession in the in the back and even in the midfield. The that organization, the, a large part of that comes with coaching and familiarity with each other, and that's one of the advantages that they have. Now, I think as the season goes on, that might go away a little bit because other teams are going to get more organized. They're going to get used to it. They're going to have tape on these guys, and they're going to be able to figure out how to either pass around the pressure or go long. So there's going to be other options. But I agree with you. I mean, it, it was it was not an it was a fun one nil game to watch. And let me ask you this: because it's the beginning of the season, do you think that the two teams kind of have an advantage because they go into the first day of camp and they say, "Here's what your dad does. We're doing the exact same thing. This is the system. This is something that we've already done in previous, you know, before we joined the league. So this is something that should be like that to you." Yeah, hundred percent. And we've talked about that. I mean, it's the same reason why Tormenta did so well because they had you know ten players on their roster who had played with the same coach. Who and predicted that. Who would have ever thought that that would have happened? Yeah, Jason, <laughs> you got that prediction point. Um, you, you got that one already. So I'll, I'll give that to you. But yeah, I mean, for for sure that you know these the the teams that have had a consistent system. System and a consistent coaching and have played together multiple times. You know, even when I talked to, to Coach Bulo and to Coach Hankinson over the last couple of weeks, both of them noted that, hey, these guys have the chemistry that we're still building with our team. So I do think that this will change. And remember, we're only six weeks in. You know, most teams have played six games, two have played five, two have played four. So there's still a lot of the season left, and and everyone is still pretty well packed. Uh, the only team that that's kind of you know needs to get going in a hurry is going to be OCB, but everyone else still has a shot to make the playoffs in in a, a I don't want to say an easy fashion, but basically if they put together a, a string of decent form, there's going to be you know any of the teams in in kind of the top nine can make the make the playoffs at this point. And we have a great question later talking about how we think that those teams are going to fare off at the end of the season, right? So is having kids going to be an advantage because of their youth or is it going to be because they've never played over an eight month period of a season? So, but we'll get into that later. Or are they going to be on their senior teams because there's injuries or something like that too? Yeah. That's that true. Be possible later, especially since uh, USL League One playoffs occur before uh, MLS playoffs. So let's move on to a game that had them. A lot of goals. Uh, it was still a draw, but it was a 2-2 draw between the Richmond Kickers and Lansing Ignite. Probably the most exciting game of the weekend, I think, at least in general. I mean, we can, you know, maybe the Madison match that we're going to talk about in a minute, you, some would argue what was exciting. But I think from a pure drama perspective, you know, Richmond goes up. Uh, they uh, they then go down to one and then Richmond comes back in the last minute with an amazing, absolutely amazing shot from about 25 yards out. Um, just a quick turn and strike that um, that really, uh, you know, kind of set the tone and uh, the announcer got it right. You know, it, it was Star Wars night there it was May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. By the way. <laughs> uh, you know, did you have any feelings about this match? Was there anyone who impressed you in a in a, any kind of surprising way? Or was it was it just two basic nights that had seen each other twice before just battling it out for a third time? Chattanooga, Greenville and Richmond. What do they all have in common? They all struggle with the press. I think in in props to Elliot uh, on his podcast, uh, River City said, you know, when they were discussing about the presses, you have teams that are pressing for possession and you have teams that are pressing for mistakes. Um, and this weekend was all about mistakes with that pressing. Um, and you saw that in the difference with Lansing, though, is if you make a mistake against them, they have 
wingbacks that are equally as athletic as their midfielders and strikers. So you're going to pay. And that's exactly what happened, right? A bad touch led to a bad pass and Nick Moon went, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to intercept that. And he did. And it went off the post. But when you're starting a game with that, I think that was in like the first five minutes, that just put you on edge. And Richmond already started the game on edge because they make Lansing look like the best team in the league since Lansing scores all their goals against them. Um, But I thought they responded really well. Um, I think that Hughes doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think Hughes has been big this year as far as breaking up plays and setting up plays. Um, and so when you look at a lot of Richmond's buildup and them winning in the middle, um, it's it's important for them to regain that possession, and that's what they did. Um, and But you saw, and I like the tactics, Lansing was fouling a lot in the middle, especially in the first half to kind of disrupt that attack, right? As soon as Richmond started getting some good passes, they would come in. a number of yellow cards for that too. But that's, and that's what happens, right? So then you have to start kind of playing a little more hesitant and that's when Richmond took advantage. And when they scored, uh, they automatically, Richmond started pressing, right? You saw that momentum change and that's about, that's part of being home. Shout out, you know, like that's one of the best supporters group in the league. You can hear them screaming. It was, it was a great game. Um, and the goal that they scored was ironic because it was one of those things to where they got down the field and three, four passes and put the ball in the back of the net after pressing. And you're like, Oh, that's the kind of goals that Lansing should be scoring. Um, but it was a great give and go, um, from Hughes because props to him were from uh, for holding that play up because you can watch Hughes has his back to goal and he's getting pulled and starts falling and still puts that out for and uh, you know Joe's gonna finish it and anyone's gonna finish it you put it right there so um, that was a great well, first goal. Was Chin who scored that right? Right, Chin. Yeah, that is Chin scored. So, so here, here's an interesting thing, right? So both the guys from River City '93 and the Total Soccer Show for their Richmond Kickers Weekly podcast both noted that Chin in early on in the season had been very, very left-footed and didn't like to hit it with his right. Guess what? He scored with his right foot. So I don't know if that's something Coach Bulo has been working on with him, but he took the chance. It was one time that shot after the the little give and go, like you said, from Hughes, and it was a nice finish. Yeah. But I have to say, so um, so Abu Bakar Kader, uh, Kada was got his first start uh, for uh, after being having been injured and was back in Columbus for a little while. Um, uh, didn't look great to me. I mean, he was kind of. I guess he was kind of playing left I mean, back. Given given the ball away for a goal is usually not a ball good, away on goal. Yeah, that was that was you know not great, right? Not a great look. I mean, better off to put it out for a throw than right. than you know like. But path and back. you know what I think it is. It's the same way that Nick Moon read that first attempt like I was talking about I think uh he he passed it and immediately wished that he could get that back like he assumed that he had the space he assumed he knew which way the player was running and he realized the player had stopped running and he went oh no and by that time it was too late I think part of that is chemistry too because you know he hasn't you know he's been injured he hasn't trained with the team uh, you know probably a whole heck of a lot so you know part of it is just awareness where your teammate's going to be in any given situation so I think that's part of it but at the same time time, you know, at a professional level, that's not a path. You're going to get uh, you're going to get hurt for making mistakes like that and at a professional level. And, then, and that's true at any professional level that uh, that you might play in. Um, you, you know, you asked me who impressed me. Uh, Rafa might be the super sub that Lansing really needs and obviously a fan favorite, but he came on and the momentum for Lansing just changed in that second half. Um, and then when you look, his average position like very quickly after he got on and yeah. And- 
his average position is higher than anyone else's. And when you correlate that to the heat map, that's where all of Lansing's heat was, was that right side where he was going to. And he was a game changer. He spreads the field for them. And I was talking a couple weeks ago, um, I think it might have even been the first week about how that's when Lansing is dangerous, when they can spread the field and you can give those wingers space to work and they can do those interconnect plays into the middle. That's when they're dangerous. And that's what Rafa was bringing. And I was super impressed with him coming off. And because of that, Richmond had a just clear ball after ball after ball out. So actually the Lansing second goal came off of one of those corners that was generated from that uh, from that pressure and possession down the right side of memory serves. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good cross. It was poor marking by Richmond, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, not new. Their, their struggle with set pieces this year. Yeah, and, and that's probably the way that, that you're going to beat Richmond this year is through those set pieces. But that being said, you know, Richmond on a night where they were at home and had a good crowd, <laughs> they did not give up. Uh, you want to yeah. talk us through the, the last goal? Because that's it was the- really what a wonder goal, like right at the close of the match. It's a goal that gets you a kiss from the coach. Uh, you know, Dan, <laughs> if you haven't Daniel, seen that on Twitter, definitely go out on Twitter and look up that because it's hilarious. Oh, Daniel Obi Wan Jackson. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta take the ball. He, it's a great goal. Extra time. He takes it. The turn is great, and I don't even think the keeper or anyone expected him to turn and shoot the way he did. And even if they did, the way that that was a rocket, I was going to try to make a, a Star Wars rocket, but I don't know the name of their. It spaceship. was a laser into the top corner, <laughs> right? So, but it was it was an incredible shot, and it, it was it was something that I think he needed. Um, I think that he's had, and he even had a touch earlier that game to where it was just a great save. It could have went in. Um, so now that, and that's what strikers, right? Sometimes when they go games without goals, they just need that one to feel like, okay, the, the pressure's off. I can relax. And then the way that goal came at the home field in dying minutes on, you know, may the fourth be with you. I think it was, it was just one of the great moments. And if you haven't seen it, the call was great. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, the call was awesome because he was just saying like, you know, Daniel Jackson is our only hope. And <laughs> right from May the 4th, talking about Star Wars, you know, I, I, I like nerding out like that personally. But what was amazing to me about that, that hit and turn though was the way that he took, he took the ball in his right foot, trapped it across his body, and then so quickly turned around. And he didn't even yeah. look up at where yeah. the net was. He just yeah. turned and shot all in one motion, which is incredibly difficult because just the balance you need in order to do that without falling over is is pretty amazing. And it was like we said, it was a laser into the upper corner. You know, the keeper, he was in good position. I mean, quite frankly, yeah, I just don't think he expected it. Yeah, Simple as that. Yeah. Like you said, he didn't look up, didn't give any signs. Um, so, yeah. And I think this was a good win. Uh, I know um, Elliot asked for Richmond fans do they feel like it was two points dropped or one point earned um I and I would think it's a point earned I think that you you have that moment at the end of the game you don't want Lansing to sweep you for you know for every game of the season you don't well, want to you know, Lansing certainly wishes to play Richmond every single game because I yeah. believe at the moment all of Lansing's seven points have come from Richmond yeah wow yeah so <laughs> It's 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 tough. Um, one thing I will say, another player who 
uh, I want to shout out that's probably, you know, that's not getting too, too much of shine is uh, Shinovsky, right? We, when we don't talk about center backs, it's usually a good thing. And we haven't really talked about him because he hasn't made any mistakes. He might be the best defender in the air. I don't think he won eight of his nine air or he won all of his aerial duels, I should say, um, and won eight of his nine regular duels. Um, and I just think that he's been a rock for them. And what we were talking about with a team that is not the greatest with set pieces, it's important to have him, you know, kind of be that presence to say, okay, here, this is what we need to do. And I think that if Richmond, if he can work with the team and they can get the set pieces together, they're going to win those one Oh two Oh games that they're built to win. Well, moving on to our last game, it was Ford Madison at home for their second match ever. They put a three spot up on TFC two who only uh, scored one Uh, in this match. You had uh, the very first goal scored by forward Madison at home. Uh, Jason, you know, this was, uh, you know, not quite as close as maybe, you know, it was a two, one score line. There was another goal late by, by Madison, Uh, but it didn't never felt that close to me. Um, You know, did you have a different opinion? Yeah, no, I, I think the way Ford plays is defensively there. I, I think Ford's sound. Um, I think the difference now is Paulo Jr. was coming back deep to get that ball, and him probably being their most creative player is is the difference, right? Having the pivot of him in the midfield, and even though Don Smart, player of the game, player of the week, um, he both those goals were set up from Paulo Jr. When you look at that uh, goal from Connor Manley, uh, or um, overlapping. Um, one of the things that um, I talked to Akuba and Peter Wilde about when I was in Chattanooga for the game was they really like Manly because they like that he overlaps. They like his crossing ability. They like his shooting ability. They say that he's he's got the skills of someone uh, offensively that just plays in the back. And then you saw that, right? So Paulo Jr. has this amazing pass. Uh, to Don Smart crossfield, Don just leaves it off for Manly, and he puts it in the back of the net. And I think being at home, that's probably the loudest I've heard my TV uh, in League One this year. You know, in front of in front of the flock and the bar and the, all those supporters groups. I think that changed the momentum. Right once I saw that goal went in, I was like, "Yeah, this is over." This yeah, that is completely was completely over. Yeah, it, that's it. That's what it felt like to me too. I mean, the atmosphere in the stadium seemed to be great. Um, you know, and and a big relief after having that nil nil. Um, let's talk about this. You know, the first match that forward had, it was a snow game. It was really cold. It was really, you know, it was probably really hard for both teams to really get into it because of the, because of the conditions, the pitch looked really, really good. At least on TV, it did. Um, you know, you know I have to say that the, the atmosphere, like you said, was, uh, was rocking, you know, just like a lot of other, it almost felt like a second home opener for forward Madison in many respects. And yeah, in, in absolutely. That regard. Yeah. And their whole environment, right? Like even just like, uh, even just they have a clock for instance that turns pink at like it's a game clock and it's a flamingo and it actually fills up pink as the game goes on and it's just like it's it's incredible what they're doing over there and it's just the atmosphere and i think they're going to be the one to have home field advantage right especially when uh the and I, the the player the the supporter section is super close to the field right that's one thing I noticed and you yeah, see that in a couple of games but that's super close to the field and so you know when Carter Manley scored that goal I mean the first one obviously when Paulo Junior scored their header their first goal 
you know, in that stadium and everyone went wild. That, it was just incredible to see that reaction. And that really is going to energize the team throughout the year. And uh, yeah. that, that's going to give them a couple goals just based off of that adrenaline alone. Yeah, and, and props to TFC too, because at one point it was when it was two to one, uh, they really were pressing for for an equalizer. You know, they, they didn't give up. Um, they didn't have a ton of ton of great looks, but um, you know, they they definitely were pressing to try and get that equalizer rather than just like you know being content with you know losing by one. Um, so you know, props to them. You know, again, another you know young crop of, young crop of kids basically who um, you know they're probably going to be better than than most of us most of us think. So this was their. First loss of the season as well. And and it's interesting their rotation, right? I don't think Endo played this game. And I know in time Shuffelsburg has come off the bench, but this time he was one of their best players on the field and created a lot of chances and disrupted. He's just a, a, a wrecking ball that goes through and just disrupts anything that you try to put near him. Um, so I, I'm curious to see moving forward. That's one of the I think a lot of teams you kind of can figure out you know, the starting lineup, you might guess one or two players wrong, but that's the team to where I'm kind of iffy every week. Who are we actually going to see? It'll be interesting to see, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing um, North Texas against uh, TFC too. I think that that could be a really interesting match, which is, uh, I think, coming up in the not-too-distant future. Um, Who who do you think, by the end of the season, who do you think is higher on the table, TFC two or North Texas? Uh... I think I give the edge to North Texas, but I would not be surprised to see TFC two like right on their heels. Um, that would not surprise me one iota the way that they've been playing right now. And, and of course, this is if they both have rosters that are largely similar to what how they are now, right? That they're not right. um, they don't have a lot of guys who are pulled up to the first team. The one other thing I, I will I will note that forward Madison definitely was doing, especially in the first half and about the first 35, 40 minutes, was their line of confrontation. They weren't high pressing in, the, in a traditional sense where they were just always going for the ball, but they had a line of confrontation about 30 yards into the uh, their offensive half. So their front three were kind of trying to make a wall and waiting for the ball to come. And, you know, they, they – um, they were looking for, I, I think, you know, a bad pass and just or or just a heavy touch by right. someone on TFC two and trying to take advantage of some of the younger kids there in order to uh, in order to uh, you know start a counter uh, very deep in their in their offensive third. Um, it, it the goal didn't come from that, but at the same time, like it easily could have. So that was an interesting tactical nuance that I think if anyone's want, is going to watch the match, they should uh, they should look out for that. And I will say out of every team in the league, I think Ford is the one team that's getting better and better every week noticeably, right? Like you can see a team can like, when you look at Chattanooga is easily the most inconsistent team in the league, right? I don't know their identity. I don't know what they're doing. Sometimes they go out there and they look like the veteran team they are. And other times they look like they've never played with each other, but with Ford each week, you kind of see their scheme, you know, being a lot smoother, you understand what they're trying to do. And I think now that they understand that Paulo Jr. needs to be that pivot and he's the creative one and that Don can cause havoc on this side and he's he's a good piece to have to kind of set things up. I think I like what they're doing every week. They know that they have Connor Tobin back there with the most clearances in the league and he's not going to let anything by. They have a pretty sound defense, whether it's Sean Russell, um, whether it's in you know, a uh, Pato on this wing, whether it's Manly on the wing or the back, you know, right back. Um, I think they're, I think they're getting better and better. I think that this is a team that is going to start, 
start their run soon. I think being on the road for their first four games of the season was a little bit of a detriment because that's, you know, that's a one less practice day. It means that, you know, you have travel days in there. Plus they had snow on the ground until, you know, they, they probably didn't start training outside until right after their first home game, because, you know, there was snow on the ground, the first home game. Yeah. And, <laughs> and injuries too, right? Like why it was hurt. Pato couldn't play eligibility stuff. So it's just like, they didn't really have their set, roster either until what like week three when it was just like okay this is the roster we actually want to put out so yeah i'm excited to see ford moving on and uh see them this weekend as well okay so we have every team in action this coming weekend uh even though six of them are actually uh going playing midweek in their u.s open cup matches but for league one league play we have north texas against ocb so two b teams going up against each other Chattanooga Red Wolves are home to forward Madison. Lansing Ignite play Greenville Triumph. The Richmond Kickers play FC Tucson. And on and those are all, I believe, on Saturday. On yep. Sunday is uh, Tormenta against Toronto Football Club 2. Which one of these would be the one, if you had to watch one of these and only Ooh. one, Jason? Um, you know what? I think I'm going to go with richmond and tucson i think that yeah you know what i think tucson tucson because maybe it's because they're on the west coast they don't get too much love i think tucson's a sneaky team i think they have a lot of good players that don't get the recognition they should I, i shouted a couple out this week and i i think that with them, right, it's all about their offense of getting it together. Because defensively, I think they're sound. It's just that with their team, they have the least amount created chances in the league. They don't have, you know, somebody up top that's been a consistent goal scorer. And mostly it's been Vega just banging off a of free kicks for them to get goals, right? So if they, they only can have, figure – number 10 that they had signed back in december yeah if only they had a they only had a creative number 10 but no i i I really want to see if they can somehow get that midfield together and start having faster attacks and getting delgado involved because i do think delgado is a great finisher he just needs to get the ball more um i think they're a team that if they can start you know connecting the midfield you know, teams are going to kind of look over and be like, oh, it's Tucson. They're going to bunker and we just need to, I think they're going to surprise people. So that's probably the game I'm most intrigued by. And that's also uh, because Richmond focus on the midfield so much in possession. I, you know, it's either going to be a game I could see Richmond winning three to one, or this is a game where Tucson surprised them and win one nothing. Well, I'm going to be watching the uh, Lansing Ignite Greenville Triumph match. It's a high press team against a very defensively organized team. I think tactically, like if if you like tactics and not just you know punch and counter punch, then I really think that that's a uh, a match that could be tactically very interesting to uh, keep an eye on. Greenville's away that game, right? I believe Greenville's away at Lansing. Yes. Yeah, they're done. <laughs> They've got listen. They've got the hardest U.S. Open Cup game tomorrow. They don't have rotation. They got to travel to Lansing. If they lose, especially if they lose on Wednesday, oh, they're done. So one thing I think that Greenville might do, and and one of the things that we've learned about Lansing so far is that Lansing don't like to have the ball, right? Lansing like to 
let you have the ball, let you make a mistake, and then pounce on you and and punish you for your mistake. So if Greenville it, it can stay organized in your defense, just kind of hit long balls and say, go ahead, have the ball, Lansing. You know, I could see this being like a one-one draw easily, but like having a lot of tactical nuance to it that yeah. that could make it interesting for a, a nerd like me to watch. I uh, just, so- I just think with Ficky and Stoneman in the center, it, I don't I don't see Greenville crossing the ball. And putting anything in against those guys, I I don't, and I don't think that Polick and Pulitz have the speed to keep up with Steve Duke and Toomey on the wings. Um, and so I think, like I, you said, I think they're going to try to give Lansing the ball. But as soon as Greenville moves up, if Nick Moon or someone gets that ball, it's over. I think that Lansing's just going to pounce on them and score off a counter attack. So as we speak, there's a couple of U.S. Open Cup matches going on. And just so you get a timestamp, right now, Tormenta 2 is beating the Chattanooga Red Wolves 3-0 in the 75th minute. 3-0, 75th minute. Yep. Forward Madison is at halftime with the Milwaukee Bavarians. That is 2-0 to forward. Uh, at halftime. So um, so with that, I'm, I'm not going to go through all the U.S. Open Cup matches that are going on. Hopefully, uh, by the time this drops, you'll know the Tuesday matches, the Wednesday matches won't have kicked off yet. But we do have some questions in re- regard to that. So fan questions. First, Weston Shelton asks, which team will most likely advance to the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. So this is the first round that's going on now. So who is most likely to win the next round? I have to say, it's not going to be the Chattanooga Red Wolves. That, I'll, I'll get to them in a minute. Uh, Irish, you, you start. I'm still trying to gain my composure. This is uh, a four-day-old team. Y'all lose it to a four-day-old team? Oh, my, my God. <laughs> so I, so here's, here, here's my take on this. And, and obviously a big part of this is um you know who is your next matchup against so if richmond win which um you know it looks like they will i i, I thought they were playing today they were up yeah so they they won six to two they now go to north carolina fc um that is a hard nut north carolina mm-hmm. fc is not doing great in the usl east but they're also not as bad of a team as their record shows so i think that will be difficult could richmond do it Perhaps you know they get they get the tactics right on the day and their players play well versus a you know North Carolina maybe that has an off day. It's possible, but but that's hard. Um, so I really think just based on the matchups that it's probably the winner of the of uh, the Greenville Triumph and uh, Tormenta match because they will go up against a uh, Charleston. I think that they match up better with Charleston mm-hmm. than. Richmond matches up with uh, with North Carolina FC, um, especially since it looks like the Red Wolves won't unless a miracle happens. Although we saw another miracle this afternoon um, in, uh, in in the Champions League over in Europe. Um, so so I'd say it's probably the winner of them. It, you know, forward Madison's an, another one. They're going to have a, a hard draw for their for their next match as well. So that's uh, Jason. What do you think? Yeah, that was going to be mine. I think if if. Who if Ford wins? Who do they? Who do they play? Do you know off the top of your head? Is it uh, El Paso, I, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that would be great because that's like that's a fun branded game. I think both of those teams, new teams, have been great with branding. Have had great fan turnout. So that might be the most exciting from an atmosphere. And then Lansing would play Chicago, right? So I don't I think know. Madison, I, I think Madison would travel to El Paso too. Okay. So that's, 
Yeah, so yeah, I would definitely go. And Tormenta's already played Charleston, beat Charleston um, earlier this year. Preseason matters. I don't care what y'all say. Um, but yeah, I think in, in Charleston, from what I've seen, I haven't gotten to watch too much USL Championship, but the counterattack is what they struggled against last year. I don't know how they've been doing this year. Um, but obviously, when you're if Tormenta wins as the best counterattacking team in the league, that's they're going to be in trouble. And uh, I think that they probably have the best chance, although I wouldn't count out Ford against El Paso. I think even though they're traveling, like you said, Ford's already – they they benefited from traveling those first four games this year, right? Or the first three games this year, however it was. So yeah, they're they're used to it. And now they're they're traveling the warmth. They don't have to play in snow and all that good stuff. So all right. So River City 93. I'm assuming that's Elliot, our friend over there, who's been on the show before. He asks, uh, your top five, maybe we'll cut this to three because we're running a little bit short on time, but what, who are your top three players that you could see getting a big move at the end of the season? So I'm going to, I'm going to start with one. I'm going to say Walfi. um, you know, so again, defensive midfielder, I know a lot of teams are pretty deep in the midfield, but when you need a possession midfielder, um, you know, who can, who can disrupt your opponent in the midfield. Um, you know, he's, he's someone who I think has shown can do it now, you know, define a big move. Could it, it winds up going to MLS? I think that he could easily be a championship. You know, one of the teams at the, toward the top of the championship could wind up going there and, you know, maybe as a depth player on an MLS team as well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, uh, to see him there. So who would be uh, one of your guys? Jason? Yeah. So I like that. Um, I would think that, Depending on how he plays, I think Uba Barcada has a chance of playing and making a big move for Columbus just because, um, you know, what Columbus right now selling uh, Merrim today for a Snickers bar and a coupon to Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they're about to hit this rebuilding stage. I don't know. You know, you got Higuain that's getting older. You've got these players where they don't necessarily have big time players. Um so this is a chance for him to kind of get into that system if they're about to, um, you know, kind of rebuild and resurface, right? I don't know whose contracts they're picking up. They've got great defenders, but I don't see them all coming back, right? Maybe one of them, like Abu Bakar, gets a, a shout, you know, and so we'll see. But I do think he has potential depending on how he plays in this league and if he does uh, go for the U.S. national team um, camp and, the, you know, plays for them in the tournament he has an opportunity to move up at least as off the bench right and get some get some looks there so to show elliot some love i'll put my second guy out there and i'll say maxi rodriguez if he uh if he stays healthy if he uh continues to kind of keep his head and doesn't get silly you know silly double yellows a whole lot longer um you know he's another guy who's you know quietly very important for the kickers and uh um, again, another defensive midfielder for, yeah. for me, but he, you know, he's again, a, another player that I think is, um, you know, has, has potential to, um, to, to play higher. You know, I, you know, what's interesting is we don't know for a lot of these players, what contracts are on, if they're on one year contracts with options, or if they're on a, you know, some of them might be on two year contracts. So it, it's hard to see like, you know, who's gets a big move. I think this big move is a, you know, player basically doesn't immediately resign with their team and probably, you know, gets an offer from someone else, uh, for, you know, more money at a, in, in one of the higher leagues. Um, so who is your second pick, Jason? So I'm going to say uh, Kevin Pulitz. 
I think that he's somebody that can definitely somebody step into a USL not, championship. Not repicked up by the New York Red Bulls too. Yeah, I was very yeah. impressed. He played a, I think played seven seven to ten games for Red Bulls two last year, and I was very impressed with him. I was really surprised that they let him go. And he might consistently stat wise be the best defender this year. I think like every single game he's averaging, you know, five interceptions, seven clearances, seven one tackles out of nine tackles. I think he's just a solid defender. And I think in USL championship where you have teams like Hartford that have already given up 18 million goals in the first 10 games, teams can use defenders. Right. And so I think that's somebody who definitely could have a, a chance to move up to USL championship. So I'm going to take your guy Connor Antley as my third pick. I, I, you know, like you said, he's been tearing up the league so far. I think if he stays in this kind of form, it would not surprise me at all. If I mean, it's possible he can end up somewhere else in the summer. I, I don't. I hope not for the league's sake, but and and certainly for his team's sake. But I, I think Connor's another guy who. Um, would not he, he's kind of one of those value guys. Like I could see some MLS teams poaching a lot of you know kind of guys as as depth signings and mm-hmm. as you know kind of not flyers, but basically um, uh, but basically value signings that you could you could pick up for you know just play these guys in the open cup games, play these guys you know spot minutes and uh, you, you know and, and maybe for. Um, uh, just for some depth as, as you know, right behind your, your, you know, higher paid starter. Yeah. And I saved my last one, you know, the, the, the Darlington one for last, I was going to say Austin Ledbetter, but that's cheating since he already did get that call up. Um, but you know what I think I'm going to give it to who I think is my most enjoyable player to watch in this league, Nick moon. I think athleticism is something you can't teach. I think that because of his versatility, he can play in multiple positions. And I think, you know, during the off season, any camp would love to have him. You always want to have a utility guy that you know you can bring off the bench and put in three different roles and have absolutely no problems, you know, fitting in. He's, he's shown that he can strike the ball. He's shown his defensive skill. He's shown he can dribble. He's shown his crossing abilities. There's not much he can't do. And when you have a player like that, I don't care if it's MLS, USL Championship, any team in the world can use a team, a player like that where you can just plug in and know that you'll be okay. Our next question comes from Keith, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, but is it Kamachi? I believe so. There we go. Okay, so not as bad maybe as I, I thought. <laughs> How will teams with mostly recent college players and academy players fare in a season lasting eight plus months? Will the youth carry them or will they drop off in the end? So I'm assuming that, you know, so not everyone in this league, keep in mind, is college players, but you do have some teams that have a significant amount of recent signings. So, and a lot of players, uh, for example, on Tormenta had come from their uh, PDL, now USL League Two side. So let's separate it from from the players who can vote and the players who can't vote. (laughs) We'll do it like that. I I think when we're talking about reach, recent college graduates are much different than academy players, right? Because recent college graduates, they played in college. They are 22, 23 years old. So they players are who the can college. drink and players who can't drink. Yeah, that's probably the better way to do it, right? So the academy players, I think, are much different. I think the academy players, because they've played year-round, because they haven't gone to college and basically played this weird split season, they might actually have an easier time going the full 
the, the full eight-month season as opposed to a college player who was used to playing really hard August through uh, through November and then basically you know only only training 40 or 50 hours from you know January through May until the PDL season started or USL League Two. Sorry, I still haven't gotten the branding <laughs> complete in my head yet. So so I do think that that you know my personal opinion is is that it really depends on the player, but I think academy players at some level have a little bit of an advantage over some of the college players. And this is what I was talking about earlier with TFC two right in North Texas. And so when you look at those players, you so you think at the end of the season it helps them being younger in college graduates or do you think it hurts them well I, I think you know generally speaking a 22 or 23 year old you'll probably be a little bit better off because you've just had more training and you've so, just got so what about to- more texas where you have these kids so how do you feel that they're going to fare at the end of the season I think it'll they'll be all over the place. It'll be more of a mixture. So you'll have a couple who just you know have some abilities. They've taken care of themselves. Um, but in fairness, they've also played these eight month seasons, right? So if you go do the do the development academy season, the development academy season starts in September and goes until March April, right? So um, yeah, you know, in fact, that actually there's a few games now. I'm, I'm going to one on uh, on Saturday. So. You know, so they're used to these longer seasons, but they're also only training probably three days a week and then having a match. Whereas, you know, in, in a professional environment, you're training five or six days a week, depending on the on the week. Okay. So, so in the last three games of a neutral schedule, you have North Texas and you have I'm not going to use Chattanooga because they obviously can't even beat middle schoolers right now. Uh, you have, let's say, Ford Madison, a team you know that's got older players. Who do you feel more comfortable with? Forward Madison, just because, three games. just because of the experience. Okay. So assuming everyone's healthy, right? That right. I think that's the other thing, right? Is that is that you know more wear and tear you have in your body, then obviously it gets harder and harder. You know, I'm, you know, I I can be you know almost everyone in the league's father based on age, but the you know the the fact is is that as long as you can stay healthy and you take care of your body and you have good training and uh, uh, and fitness, then I would give it to the people with more experience toward the end. I, I mean, it's also a matter of, you know, one of the, the dangers, too, is that when you're talking about a 17 or 18 year old, you're used to going at 100 miles an hour all the time. And now the next thing you know, you know, you can't do that for 28 games in a row. You just can't. Right. So you have to, you know, sometimes pace yourself. You have to be able to say to your coach, hey, coach, you know, I can't go 90 today. You know, take me out in the 60th minute because, you know, I need, need a little break. And, uh, you know, that that's different, too. So the soccer goose. Ben Gorshin, he says, worst outcome for Chattanooga Red Wolves. Open Cup lost to Tormental 2. Let's see where we are right now in that particular match. We are up still 3-0 in the 90th minute. So I lost to Tormented 2 or bottom 3. Well, the first one has come to pass. So I think at this point... It would be the combination of losing in the first round to Tormented Two and then coming in the bottom three. Well, no, it's 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 one or the other, right? One so or the other. one or the other. I first and foremost, I, I, before before you choose, let me just say, and I'm I'm just gonna take the floor for a second and look at the camera. And I haven't done this in a while. I've camera, been trying camera, to be nice. camera two. Jason, camera, camera two. two. Okay. Chattanooga Red Wolves, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. This Toronto 2 team is four days old. I promise you 
that, or I'm sorry, Tormenta is four days old. I promise you that they don't even know their backup goalkeeper's name or the third reserve goalkeeper. They're still playing, hi, my name is Billy, and one of my interests in life is this. They're still getting to know each other. And props to Tormenta because they might have a whole scheme from their pyramid, right? Like maybe they're playing the same style as, you know, Tormenta one, but y'all are the most veteran team in usl league one you have had players who have played internationally have played for longer than these kids that tormented to have been alive and you're sitting here and telling me that not only did you lose to them but you lost three to nothing you couldn't put one goal against teenagers y'all should be ashamed of yourselves and you know the worst part about this ira is i don't think that's worse i think Finishing bottom three is worse because, you know, tomorrow on Twitter, it's going to be absolutely hilarious because every non-league team supporter is going to eat this up. There's going to be memes. There's going to be jokes. There's going to be everything. So not only is that a bad look for you, but that's going to pass. Everything passes. Things happen. Months go by and people bring it up once in a while, but doesn't hold weight, right? Like the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead but then they won two championships and people got over that. So that's why I'm saying I think the bottom three is worse because you can win and that stuff is in the past and get over it. You lose that game and you finish bottom three, that means your whole first year was a complete disaster and failure and you're giving everything that these non-league people want. You're giving, you're just feeding into, see, this is why uh, teams should be built and not bought or whatever you know people want to say this is exactly what you're giving them i'm embarrassed for you guys right now you come in bottom three i don't know if i'll ever mention your name on the show ever again and that's just me being honest i can't do it i can't yeah, do it it's hard i mean so here here's here's the thing here's why bottom three is probably worse overall uh, at least in my opinion and that is that over 28 games um against teams that you know you should be able to build a team that you know comp- is competitive right in any one game you know a team can have a bad night you know we, we we talked about that before a team can have a bad night and another team can have just have happen to have a great night and you know there's circumstances that you know we have i haven't seen the game so i don't know you know exactly what happened there was a goal in the 25th minute was the first time tormented two scored so you know if, if at that point now all of a sudden the red wolves are you know charging at the goal and and you know just having shot after shot um, haven't seen the stats yet either, you know, it, that can happen, right? The Minnows beat it. Look how far, look how far that you had Christos go, right? Christos beat the Richmond kickers. Christos was up one nil on DC United before DC United decided to play and, uh, and crush them. So there are Minnows in the U S open cup can beat professional teams. But, but here's, here's my thing though. It's not that you got beat. You got destroyed three Oh by a team who just met each other this week. They do not know how much milk that they put in each other's cereal. They don't understand each other yet. And you went out and got beat by them. And like you said, yes, talent can prevail sometimes. And sometimes there's a moment to where a kid who's one of the most talented players on the field just pulls off an amazing shot. You lost three to nothing. Nobody knows your team identity right now. We just talked about it. It's inconsistency. The passing is slow. You're playing younger. Like You have half this league. I'm, I'm the age, the, what the average age of this league is probably what 21, 22. So you're playing younger players and you can't keep up. This is not, this is embarrassing. You can't have this. You have the most experienced veteran coach 
in the league. Why are things like that happening? That's on his watch. You cannot be a coach and have a team that's already played five or six games, lose to a team that just met on this weekend at a pizza function and everyone uh, played heads up, seven up to get to know each other. This is not how this works in a professional league. You cannot have that. Hashtag spicy take by Jason. Jesus. All right. Our last question of the night from Andrew Ataro. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I understand this question. So oh, I, I got, it. I think I typed it wrong. So okay. he, he's asking, um, what the what will the effect I think on the open cup for each team? Like, well, what does it mean to each team? Um, so obviously with Chattanooga, it means that you're all going to get paraded and berated with uh, insults, memes, jokes, and y'all deserve every bit of it because three nothing uh, lost to a team that just met. Uh, yeah, of you deserve it. So that one's out the way. Let's talk about the other ones. So, so let's start with Richmond. Uh, you know, so Richmond's going to be moving on, play North Carolina FC. You know, Richmond's of all of the teams in the league, they're the one who have lifted this cup before. Yep. They have won the U.S. Open Cup. They have been in the finals um, one other time, and they've been in the semifinals several times. So, you know, they are a team, and including in the MLS era, by the way. So this isn't, you know, they, they won it in 1995, and then they did make the finals during the MLS era. So they're one of the teams that, you know, would not surprise me if their goal would be to, hey, let's get to that third round. Let's beat North Carolina FC. Let's put all of our effort into that over this weekend. And maybe we see significant rotation this coming week and in their game, uh, remind me who they're playing, uh, they're playing against FC Tucson. So maybe they don't put out their full strength team and they rest a few guys in order to go down to North Carolina. And I'm sure uh, they want to kind of just, you know, go and beat North Carolina and say like, yeah, you guys laughed at us that we went to league one and we're not in USL championship, but we're still beating y'all. We just needed a team that our coach, you know, for our coaches, players, that coaches, that are players that he wanted. We just needed a new system. And now now look at y'all so and i i I personally think for the other teams uh since they're you know new new teams so lansing and and the triumph and tormenta and forward i I think this is gravy for them right so if they make it to this round now they're going to play usl championship teams if they lose they lose and they say okay you know that's fine we're league one but you know where but if they win or or they make it really competitive and go into extra time and you know lose five four on pks or something like that they, they have to hold their head high and say like, Hey, we stood toe to toe. And so anyway, that's my, do you, do you see any teams rotating uh, and not playing full strength? These upcoming, this upcoming weekend based off a of open cup. You know, it's funny. I, I would think at this point, you know, Greenville, um, Greenville's tough because they play yeah. on Wednesday tomorrow, and then they play, and then they play Saturday, Saturday, and then they yeah. play. I think they put. Do they play Tuesday or Wednesday of next week? I don't know if that's even been scheduled yet. Actually, okay. I think it gets scheduled after they know the matchup. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I, I would think that there has to be at least a little bit of rotation, particularly yeah. since, especially for the teams that are traveling, um, that that you would try to do do some of that. Um, it, it depends. So I, I think for all of them, I think Richmond's the one that probably should be the one that really focuses on the U.S. Open Cup as being a major thing. And the others, you know, maybe they rotate at the at the Open Cup game midweek and just get some guys some experience in a competitive environment against good players, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, sit your two or three guys that maybe are on tired legs and, 
and you know march out some other people and give them a shot. I mean, that's what the U.S. Open Cup's for, right? That's why it's yeah, you want to win, but at the same time, it's uh, it, it's it's a showcase kind of event for some players too. I do think the team right now that probably has more of that's going to impact more than anybody else is Tormenta, right? Granted, think so. they, now, now with their yeah. second team going now with their right? second team going through, if Tormento beats Greenville tomorrow, now they've got two teams moving on the next round. And it's not just about individual team, it's about their whole system. And as you see that Tormento's already announced earlier this year that they're opening up academies all throughout Georgia, right? So now it's not just in that one area, they're going to different areas. They're trying to be a powerhouse in the South for soccer. And if you have two teams move on and imagine your second team wins the next round too that's showing that you know what like maybe there's a ton of talent in southern georgia that we missed out on and we should kind of be worried about tormenta hey jason we're out of time so where can people find you you can find me at home sweet soccer and um I, I, go ahead ira just read the sponsors i'm sorry i can't do this anymore I'm ira jersey i can be found at at ira jersey on twitter Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or for your organization. Check out their amazing amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thank you to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And by the way, if you're a friend of DeSoto, hit me up on Twitter. You'll know who I am. I'm the guy that got scarfs for Friends of DeSoto who go to some live shows. With that, Jason, have a good night. Tormenta to get some 3-0 scarves from Refnaught. You deserve it. 